We've been on a series the last several weeks throughout the summer entitled Travel Light. And what we've been learning is that life is a lot like a journey. A journey that we tend to pack for. And if you're like me, and you're like many, when you go away, you don't just pack. The truth is we overpack. We pick up, we pack up, we overpack, and we carry these things in an attempt to get away, to find relief, to rest. But the truth is that according to the words of Jesus, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Let's consider a portion of scripture that we've been looking at over the last several weeks directly from the heart of Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 28. He starts off by saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I want you to consider something that we've been kind of chipping away at for the last several weeks is that rest is not found in the relief of circumstances. We seek rest from problems. We seek rest from trials. We seek rest from drama. We seek rest from pressing circumstances. And Jesus says that's not where rest comes from. The absence of problems does not equate to rest in the soul. See, if we are to truly enter into this rest that we have in Christ, then we must understand that rest is something that is birthed in the soul. And so therefore, Jesus says, I, I, I want you to come to me and follow me and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Because then you'll find rest for yourselves. In verse 30, he goes on to say, for my yoke is easy. Watch this in my burden. My burden, what I give you, it's light. It's light. That tells us something powerful. Life isn't meant to be heavy. We're not meant to be burdened in life. And so you see, rest comes not from what we carry in life. It comes from what we take from Jesus. And if there's one bag that we've all carried, and I dare say some of us may actually be carrying it today, it's this bag called hurt. Today I want to speak to you from the heart of God. I want to point you to the truth in God's word. I'm not here to give you my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. Please don't hear me. Don't listen to me. Listen to the word of God today. Let it speak to your soul. Today I want to talk to you on the topic of unpacking hurt. Unpacking hurt. You know, hurt is heavy because it unsettles the soul. It impacts the whole man. Let me put it to you this way. Have you ever hurt your toe? You ever hurt your pinky toe? Right? The moment you hurt your toe, I can assure you that the rest of your body doesn't go, man, it sucks to suck, man. <laughs> I feel for you, brother. No, your whole body reacts. Your whole body is drawn to your toe. And for some of us, we let our mouths go to places it shouldn't. Right? But we're not going to talk about that. My point is that when you stub your toe, it impacts the whole body. And in the same way, when we hold on to hurts, it doesn't just impact us internally. It impacts the whole man, spirit, soul, and the truth be told, body as well. 
What's sad about that is that when we hold on to hurts, it doesn't just hurt us. It eventually leads to us hurting others. Right? And I want you to consider something if you're carrying hurt. I want you to consider something if pain is something that you cling to. And I want you to hear this from God's word, not from my mouth. Proverbs 18.4 says this, The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Let's leave that portion of scripture up so that we can just meditate on that for a moment. What's interesting here is that the word human spirit here, that term here, is the Hebrew word ruach. And what it speaks of, it's the soul, the mind, will, emotions, which animates life. It brings the inside to the outside. It brings it to life. It brings it to fruition. And what the scripture here tells us is this, that the human spirit can endure. It can press past. It can handle what happens externally. Sickness, for example. But here's one thing that the human spirit cannot bear. It cannot carry. We are not designed to hold on to. The scripture says, a crushed spirit who can bear. See, a, when we are hurt, when we carry hurt, it creates problems for us. My friend, I submit to you that all hurt is too heavy to carry. All hurt is too heavy to carry. Jesus says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary, who are burdened. See, anything that we carry in the soul apart from Jesus and the truth that he gives us is too heavy to carry. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing in this area of hurt? How are you doing? I know it's a personal question. For some of us, it's one that we shy away from. See, it's for that reason that we need the rest that Christ, that Christ affords us. And that can only happen as we join ourselves to him and learn from him today. The scripture records the life of a woman who was from a place called Shunem. We don't know her name, but what we do know is that her life is recorded for us by God. And so this Shunammite woman lived in this town and she observed a man that would come to and fro through this town of hers regularly. This guy was a man known as the prophet Elisha. And this guy Elisha was a big deal. He was a big deal not because he was special in and of himself. It was a big deal when Elisha showed up because in those days the spirit of God did not dwell in men. He did not live on the inside of us. There was a separation, a chasm, so to speak. And so this guy, Elisha, was a man who was anointed by God, walked in the presence of God, and operated according to the power of God. In essence, when he showed up, God showed up. And so this woman took note of the fact that he frequented their town. And she knew him to be one who walked with God, and in his power. And so one day she says to her husband, Honey, let's renovate the house. He says, What are you talking about? I'm paraphrasing here. 
She says, let's build a room in our home, an extra room, so that when the man of God comes through our town, he can stay here. He can have a place in our home. Get what she's actually saying. I want the presence and power of God to be near to us. I desire it in our lives. And so the scripture goes on to say that they built a home and Elisha would come and he would go and every time he came and went through this town, he would stay there. And I imagine that he would share with them and encourage them and listen to them and they got pretty familiar. And the scripture tells us that one day Elisha felt compelled to extend a great kindness, his gratitude, unto this family. He says to the woman, the scripture records, is there something that I can do for you? Is there a kind word that I can uh, share on your behalf to the king? Is there something that you have need of that I can entreat from the captain of the armies? The scripture says that her response to him was, and I'm paraphrasing, and she says, no, I'm, we're well to do, we're well off. There's nothing we have need of. And so Elisha goes on to dig a little bit more, and he comes to find out that this woman was childless. And back in those days, for a woman to be childless was frowned upon. You see, children were considered to be a great blessing, a sign of God's favor upon your life. And so we can only imagine that this woman potentially held on to some shame. Maybe she felt a certain type of way about the fact that they didn't have children. We don't know that for sure, but what we do know is this, that the prophet Elisha says to her, by this time next year, you will bear a son. You will give birth to a son. And the woman responds to him in awe. And she's kind of holding her breath because she says to him, Oh, Elisha, please don't, 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 don't get my hopes up. Don't go there. Please don't give me a false sense of hope. Well, according to the scripture, a year later, they were holding a son. And I would imagine that she loved this son, but the scripture goes on to record that years later, this same son, this gift of God was out in the field with his father and their workers who were gleaning from the land. And the son comes running to his father and he says, My head, my head, I'm in pain, my head. And the father goes on to respond how maybe some of us might respond as fathers. And I'm telling you, please don't follow this example. He says to one of his workers, Take him to his mother. Take him to his mom. Let her deal with it. I'm busy. So... He goes on to his mom and the mother begins to console him. She lays him on, his, on her lap and she's consoling him. And the scripture records that he dies while he lays on her lap. One can imagine the hurt, the pain that this woman suffered at her loss. But her response, as we'll see in the scriptures, to this pain teaches us lessons on unpacking hurt in our own lives. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 21 says that after her son has passed, she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Get this. She went back to the place where she had made room for God. She goes back to the place where she had some of the most precious moments with the presence and power of God. And then she called to her husband and she said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. 
And so he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. And then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Now, while she had suffered a great loss, the scripture tells us that she declared it is well. What is she talking about? My son has just passed away in my arms. What do you mean it is well? And to truly appreciate what she's saying here, we must understand what the Hebrew actually renders. What the Hebrew says is that her reply was, it is shalom. That word shalom means all is complete. Everything is operating in perfect health. I am at peace. All is prospering. We are safe and sound. This woman responds according to something that defies this painful moment in her life. She says all is complete. Health prevails. We are at peace. All is prospering. And it is safe and sound. How can anyone arrive at the point of such great strength? And I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Because today we're going to learn from her example how to unpack hurt so that we can enjoy rest in the soul. The first point that I want to leave you with here for reflection and for application is that you and I can experience pain and not be hurt. Let me say that again. You can experience pain and not be hurt. Have you ever said the words to yourself, you hurt me? Oh, I'm, I must be in heaven. Because <laughs> everybody here has arrived. <laughs> Come on now. You ever told yourself or told someone, you hurt me? If you hadn't done this, I wouldn't feel this way. My feelings are hurt. You did this to me. I think we've all been there, right? Come on now. Let's be honest. But let's ask ourselves some important questions. Where exactly does it hurt? Let me ask you a question. How exactly does it hurt? Who hurt you? Is it in our feelings? Is it in our emotions? Is it a person? Is it in our mind? And I want to point you to where hurt originates. Directly from the scriptures. Psalm 38, starting at verse 6, the psalmist says, the psalmist says this, I am bent over and I am racked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health, my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. The word heart here, the anguished heart, speaks of a soul that is disquieted from within. 
it's a raging, overflowing conversation that we internalize and entertain and carry on from within, which tells us something, that hurt is a response to internalized turmoil. Hurt is a response to internalized pain. The truth is that for some of us, we take the pain out of what is painful and we use it to hurt ourselves. Hurt is self-inflicted pain. Self-inflicted pain. Self-inflicted. Instead of shifting our eyes from our pain and looking to God with hope, we internalize pain and use it as a weapon against ourselves. Now look, I'm not saying that we should ignore pain. I'm not, not, not suggesting that at all. But what I am saying is that we should respond to pain correctly so that it doesn't become hurts that we carry for the remainder of our lives and our soul. There is a proper response to pain. There is a proper response to pain. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 gives us some indication of this. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character, character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I want you to consider something. That in the face of problems and trials, the scripture tells us this, we can rejoice. We can rejoice. Let me say this to someone who needs to hear this. The hurt that you are experiencing right now is robbing you of what the scripture tells you because you're holding on to your hurt. The scripture says you and I can rejoice. The question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? And what we see from the scripture is that the first thing that we are to do in the face of problems and trials is that yes, we're to rejoice, but how? Because we know that as we walk through this, there is endurance that is developed. Now, if you've been here any length of time, you might know this, and if you don't, we're an open book, myself, Pastor Nett, our family, this ministry entirely. We're an open book. Last year, some of you might know we suffered the loss of my brother-in-law. It was something that we did not expect. It wasn't part of the plan that we envisioned. We didn't want it. And I, I will tell you that the pain 
that he experienced, the pain that we experienced, the moments that my wife and my sister-in-law and my family and all of us as a family endured in caring for him in our home while he lay in a bed, physically decaying. That pain was real. That pain was real. The pain through his battle was real. The pain of his loss was and still is real. But you see, we're not hurting. Now, I'm not saying this because we've arrived, ladies and gentlemen. Far from that. I'm not proposing to you that we've got it all together and that we're better than anybody here. But what I am saying is that we may have experienced pain and pain may still come. But pain no longer holds a sting in our lives. You see, pain, the right response to pain is not to focus on the pain to the extent that we harbor hurt. The proper extent, the, the proper response to pain is to look beyond the pain to what gives us the ability to press forward. Listen, this woman, this woman, this woman faced the reality of her loss, but she did not stay there. For us, we know where Lewis is. We know he's no longer suffering. We know the truth that he is in the presence of the Lord. And we rejoice, not at the fact that he's no longer physically with us, we have so many memories, so many moments of joy, so many lessons that we shared and we learned together. And so when we look back, we're not in grief. We're not hurting. If anything, what we are doing is reaping joy from the life that we still share with him. Because what you remember lives, my friend. What you remember lives. Which leads me to my next point. It's that you can keep your folk, you can't keep your focus on hurt and expect to heal. Let me say that again. You can't focus on your hurt and expect to heal. As this woman faced the reality of her son's loss, this woman's response tells us something about healing while hurting. Some of us think that healing is a destination point. No, healing is a process that happens in the midst of pain. Second Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 21, says that she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God and then she shut the door and she went out. Get this, she took her pain to the place of power. She took her pain to the place where she had intimate connection with God and then she left it there. She left it there. Why did she leave it there? Listen to why she left it there. Listen, as long as you're carrying pain and letting it develop in your heart and in your soul to the place of hurt, where we're now self-inflicting pain, 
As long as you're doing that, you can't heal. Because while God is working, you're still creating incisions within yourself. You're still cutting yourself. You're still hurting yourself. So this woman leaves her son at this place of meeting with God and then she goes out. She closes the door there and she goes out and the scripture says that she called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so that I can go to the man of God quickly and return. And I'm going to tell you why that's powerful. Because as a mother, yes, she must have experienced great pain. We know that as parents, for you who are a parent. If you care for anyone, you know that to be true. That what she did after the initial blow of pain was pivotal for her to heal. Listen, the Bible says that she left her son on the bed of Elisha. She closes the door. She, she tells one of the servants, come on, mount up, let's get going. And then she makes this statement. Let's do this so that I can return. In the Hebrew, the word return there means so that I can be restored. Listen to what she's saying. I'm going to leave my pain. In the presence of God, I am going to let go of this. And I am going to go to seek out God himself. So that by doing so, I can then return back restored, healed, stronger, better, built up in character. But if we're going to do this, if we're going to let go of pain, stop focusing on our hurt so that we can heal, we must understand that it's not one and the other. It's one or the other. James 1, 6 through 8 says this, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, the scripture says. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. My friend, you can't hold on to hurt while asking God to heal you. You're not positioned in the presence of God. You are subject to the circumstances. Your boat can't be rocked if you're rolling with Jesus. It can't. Reminds me of a story I once heard, a proverb, an old Indian proverb. It says that one evening an elderly Cherokee brave told his grandson about the battle that goes on inside of people. According to their beliefs, he said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil, it is anger, it is envy, it is jealousy, it is sorrow, it is regret and greed and arrogance and self-pity and guilt and resentment and inferiority and lies and false pride and superiority and ego. The other wolf is joy, 
It's peace, it's love, it's hope, it's serenity, it's humility, it's kindness, it's benevolence, it's empathy, it's generosity, it's truth, it's compassion, it's faith. And the grandson thought about that for a moment, and then he asked his grandfather, Grandpa, which wolf wins? And the old Cherokee replied simply, the one that you feed. My friend, if you feed your hurt, You'll starve your healing. You'll starve your healing. But if you feed, but if you starve your hurt, you'll feed your healing. My friend, God wants you to walk in perfect peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. But you have to understand something. We have to understand something. We must internalize this truth, accept it for what it is, the truth, and act upon this and live by this promise. Listen, God says that whoever sets his mind upon him, that he who keeps his mind stayed upon him, come on now, there's healing, there's a great power that begins to develop in the soul. It produces peace within us. And my friend, if we are focusing on hurt and laments and we're living with resentments and we're carrying on about what happened and where we've been and how much we've lost and how much it hurts, then let me tell you, my friend, you can't move forward. And here's the reality. God can't help you. God can't help you. God can't help you. Oh, I get it. For some of us, we go, oh, you know, I'm just waiting upon the Lord till the day that he heals my heart. I'm waiting on God. And here's what we understand waiting to be. I'm just waiting on you, God, to heal my heart. I'm waiting on you to do it, Lord. I'm waiting for you to restore my broken heart. God, help me. Heal me here, Lord. But when the scripture talks about those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, that they shall rise up like wings on eagles. Listen closely. The word wait is not a passive word. The word wait is when we begin to wait upon the Lord as we serve him, as we seek him, as we get busy with living as opposed to being busy dying in our soul. See, healing does require waiting, but it's talking about serving God. It's talking about acting upon your faith. You know, there's a portion of scripture that really ministered to us in the midst of our loss as a family. The scripture says that weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know what we realized? That pain is a season, it's not a sentence. It's not a life sentence.
You don't have to hold on to pain. At some point, what we realize is this. The pain is real. This hurts. We've suffered loss. But what we understand till this day is this. That that is a season on the journey of life. And we must live forward. You got to move past pain, my friend. You can't focus on pain and expect to heal. The last point I want to leave you with here is that you're doing better than you think. Got to tell somebody with me, you're doing better than you think. Tell somebody else, you're doing better than you think. Tell one more person, you're doing better than you think. Let me tell you why I say that. Because hurt never ends in loss when your trust is in Christ. Hurt doesn't end in loss when your trust is in Christ. Look, this woman had suffered a great loss. Her son. I don't want to even imagine something like that. And yet in the midst of her great loss, this woman declares, I'm complete. Healing is working right now. All is prospering. We're safe and sound. This is what she's declaring. You see, when you trust in God, here's one thing that you reap. It's hope beyond today. Beyond today. And I know it might hurt right now. I get it. I know that it might be hard right now sometimes. I know that pain still might hold a sting for some of us. But my friend, you have hope. You have this confidence. God says, there's joy coming in the morning. But you know, you can't get to tomorrow. You can't see the morning sun if you don't put yourself in a place to pursue it and see it for yourself. My friend, hear me closely. The Apostle Paul was a man who suffered much loss in life. I mean, you name it, this guy went through it. Shipwrecked, abandoned by his ministry partners, backstabbed, left for dead, Beaten, persecuted, lost it all, gained it all, lost it all again, gained it all, lost it all. Ridiculed by people, mocked for his faith. (laughs) Look at what you're going through. Where's your God? And yet Paul was able to boldly declare something greater. Paul was able to rise again and again. 
Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. But we have this treasure, a treasure in jars of clay. Paul's very conscious of what the scripture says in this moment. I imagine that he's reminded of the portion of scripture in the Old Testament where it says, but you are the potter. I, I, I'm the clay. He says, and yet in this, in this clay, in this fragile jar, subject to hurts, gets roughed up, maybe even suffers some cracks along the way, in this jar, there's treasure. A treasure that shows that this is, that, uh, that this all-surpassing power is from God. And it's not from us. He goes on to say, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Get this, I'm going through bad times. Things are going bad. This body is suffering physically. It's decaying. And yet, he says, there's a revelation of the power of God waiting to be exposed in me. Verse 11, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. In verse 16, he goes on to say this, therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Why do we not lose heart? Why do we not give up? Why do we hold on with all hope? Listen, why? <laughs> Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Get this. While this flesh, this body decays, you know what we call life is really a process leading to physical death? We're dying daily. And yet, there's a work that God is working in us inwardly. One that renews us, that refreshes us, that restores us, that strengthens us, that builds us up, that gives us the ability to press on. Don't miss God in the midst of your pain. <laughs> He's working inwardly. He's not inflicting pain upon you. He's, in, he's, he's inciting renewal within you. And so he says... Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Watch this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. But you don't know how much it hurts what they've done to me. It's light and temporary. But I've suffered some financial loss. It's light and temporary. But I'm enduring some physical diagnosis, some challenges physically. It's light and temporary. But it's hard. 
and it never seems to let it never seems to let up. It's light and temporary. But they've said this about me, and my accusers are all around me. It's light and temporary. Why? Because there is nothing that we undergo in life that can outlast the power of God in you. So what's the answer? Verse 18, he says, and so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on the circumstances, not on what people do and say, not on the loss, not on the hardships. We don't fix our eyes on what is seen. He says, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but this God who is unseen, his power that works towards us, his promises that promise us that the good work he started in us, he shall complete. Yes, yes. That God who is unseen but is working is eternal. He's eternal. My friend, as we stand here today and come to a close, I want you to face the truth about your circumstances. You're doing better than you think because God is working in you. You may be experiencing some painful things, but I say again, pain is a season. It's not a sentence. Be free. I believe that every word that comes directly from the word of God is powerful. It gives us what we need to travel light. To rest in the soul. According to the scriptures, I also believe that God's word is working as we partner with God and we begin to work it. Which means this, what will we do with pain from this point forward? Will we self-inflict? Will we relive? And hold on, we will condemn, will we condemn ourselves? Will we believe according to the pain that others have participated in bringing into our life? Or will you from this day forward, let it go? Stop worrying about somebody saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, never healed a broken heart. Only God can do that. It's time to let it go. It's time to let the dead rest so that we can rest in the soul. Stop trying to resurrect those things that hurt you, that bring pain. Be free.
as we close today, it's very possible there's someone here. Maybe you're joining us online. And you've been doing this by yourself for a long time. Oh, there's people around you. Maybe you're even accomplishing some really cool things. But the question is, do they produce rest in the soul? Or do they bring you to a place of anxiousness and toil and sweat? Do they cause you to grind it out in life? My friend, if that's where you find yourself, I pray that today you recognize and adhere to the call of Jesus. He says, come to me. Learn from me. Be yoked with me. Join yourself to me. Because I have rest for your life. I want you to travel light. If you hear God calling today and you accept that call in your life, then here's what you need to know. That God so loved the entire world, everyone, so much, that he gave his son as a sacrifice to pay the price for sin. But it wasn't just to forgive sin. It was to open the door to a new life. And so he rose from the dead. He came as a man because it took a man to mess it up which required a man to fix it. But you see, you and I, we dropped the ball. We can't fix it. So God in his mercy and his, in his love for you and for me said, I'll become like one of them. I'll pay the penalty for sin, even though I didn't commit it. And then I will rise again to prove that I'm God and to declare to you that you can rise too. If you believe that today, won't you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? If you believe that with us and you accept Christ today and you're in the house, I want to encourage you to reach out, raise your hand to Jesus. I'm coming to you this day, Jesus, unashamed, needing you, desiring what you have for me. If you're online, let us know that you're making that decision. And if you make that decision today, please stop by our VIP desk before you leave today. We want to connect with you. We want to walk with you on this journey. Pray this with us as we close. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. And you love me so much that you paid the price for my sin. And you rose again from the dead so that I could rise too. This day I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And from this day forward, I thank you for a new life. I thank you that I can travel life. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us and I can't wait to connect with you next week.